to the TechSpective podcast. Uh, my guest is uh, Omar, and I'm already forgetting your last name, Tawakol? Yep. All right. So, Omar, if you could, uh, you know, give some background on yourself and uh, and your company, and let's uh, let's get to it. Awesome. Honored to be here, Tony. Thanks for inviting me. My name is Omar Talkal, as you said. I'm the CEO of a company called Rembrandt. And, uh, you know, a lot of what I've been doing in the past has really been leading up to this. A while back, I created a company called Blue Kai, which was one of the leaders in uh, data platform and data targeting for the ad industry. And we had a thesis long time ago that people should be advertising to people based on their interests and behaviors, not based on the words of, on a page that they're reading. And uh, that became a very interesting business. It, it grew and Oracle acquired it in 2014. It became the Oracle Data Cloud and you know it grew into a $500 million a year data business powering advertising. Uh, I stayed there for a few years and I left and I started an AI company that was in the voice space. We did closed captions, transcriptions, translations, intent detection, stuff like that to help make meetings productive. And two years in, Cisco acquired us, integrated us into uh, the WebEx platform to do closed captions and transcription and, and WebEx calling and WebEx contact center. And uh, we we powered a billion minutes every 90 days. So it was a very high volume AI business. Uh, so a bunch of those teams, you know, got together with me after I'd stayed for at Cisco for three years and we got together and created Rembrandt. And I'll tell you all about Rembrandt. But Rembrandt, it's as if it's the baby of those two businesses. It is both impacting the marketing business and it is also an AI business. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I, had, I had you know started to, to tell you before we you know actually kicked off the podcast. But what what intrigued me about you know wanting to have this conversation with you is that you know like I said, whenever I, I I see a billboard, I watch a commercial, I hear a radio commercial, my brain is always in this sort of marketing mode of trying to to decipher like, all right, who does this who who would this resonate with? And 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 frankly, even though I'm in the marketing business, you know, professionally, I'm kind of jaded and cynical when it comes to marketing in general. Like when I see some, like if for instance, you always see the the when whenever there's like a an empty billboard that isn't currently leased and it says something like, you know, does advertising work? It just did. And I'm always like, well, no, it didn't because yes, I saw that billboard, but I'm not calling you to buy your ad space. So it didn't work. Like you got my attention, you got my attention, but you didn't close the deal because that wasn't compelling. You know, it, it didn't mean, it didn't mean anything to me. And similarly, you know, like if I'm watching a, you know, a football game or something, it's like, you know, there's a Ford F-150 or a Chevy Silverado commercial. And it's like, um i'm 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 generally anti pickup truck as a concept <laughs> and and but you know so so i'm i'm biased from that perspective in the first place but i i when i even even for vehicles i do like when i watch commercials of like vehicles i'm always like okay but that's not convincing me to buy like i'm either in the market for a vehicle or i'm not yeah, if yeah, I am in the market for a vehicle, I already have an idea of what I want. Like, I don't, I don't need Toyota to advertise in order for me to go buy their car. Um, so, yeah. so, so, anyway, so that's 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 kind of where my brain's at all the time. And when, um, you know, thinking about this in terms of the generational aspects of, you know, I grew up watching network television and you didn't have an option of skipping commercials. And, you know, that, that just, you know, I mean, you could leave the room, but, um, you know, it, it was a different model. 
Um, and you know, we we you know, you know, and I'm I'm going to date myself some, but like businesses, one of the main things was you know yellow pages advertising and newspaper advertising, and you know all all of these methods have more or less died out. You know those those like don't exist anymore for the most part. There are still TV commercials, but I feel like they're much much less effective because I just I personally rarely watch them. I skip past all that stuff. Well, oh my that God. is exactly why we created Rembrandt. So I'm going to start by asking you a question. You and most of your friends, do you think this weekend you're going to watch any of Netflix, Amazon Prime, or HBO? Will you do any of those? Probably. Yeah. Okay, great. So what I find when I talk to marketers is they spend their day funding interruptive ads, ads that you know stop the content and force people to watch it and then they go home and they pay money to subscription services to avoid those same ads that they funded during exactly. the day that's exactly. why Rembrandt has a business so uh let me jump in and tell you what we do so first off is our mission at Rembrandt is to use photorealistic AI to seamlessly integrate brands into the content that people love while capturing consumer attention but without interrupting the content so that's the key is we want to disrupt the decades old equation that says you're going to get something free, but we're going to interrupt your show and jam something down your throat because the new generations of watchers are doing everything to skip and avoid those ads. So how are you going to enter the consciousness of the consumer if you're chasing those old methods? If you don't mind, I'd like to kind of like just to bring this home, show you a couple of videos that kind of illustrate, you know, how bad the problem is and, sure. you know, what what maybe it, it could look like if we thought differently. So first off, what does interruptive advertising look like? Let's look at kind of a, a, a video on YouTube that's organic, it's about meditation, and then let's look what happens when, when the ad comes up. Hello, my loves. Welcome to a guided meditation. Right, because everybody wants to okay. interrupt a guided meditation with an ad. Right. And, so, and, and, and I actually meditate. I, I, I meditate regularly. So I could say that that would be very disruptive if you just got done telling me, get ready for my guided meditation and then you pop in an ad. Yeah. And so if you look at like um, the product placement industry, which is a form of native intrinsic advertising, this has been growing every year, double digits for like 20 years because advertisers know they need another way to get into people's consciousness. But there are problems with product placement as exists today. So let me show you an example. I'm going in. Captain, keep him occupied. What do you think I've been doing? Ten million. Right. So it's great if you know you've got a lot of money and you can wait two to three years in advance of Moody to negotiate. It just doesn't scale well. And if you look at like the 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 sponsored post world, it's kind of similar. You basically have to wait. You know. Um, four to six weeks, you negotiate, you send and ship product. And because it's so manual, you only deal with the biggest influencers who are going to be very expensive. And you don't deal with the 50 million other ones who have high engagement, good audience, who match your content, who have very passionate audiences. It's just too manual. So what we decided to do was essentially automate this and make it as easy as running a campaign and you ship no products, you don't even negotiate, you just run it like you would run an AdSense for virtual product placement. Let me show you what it looks like and then let's just stop and talk. Meditation by Lavender. I'm happy you made the choice to meditate today. 
So as you see there, those 3D you know, bottles of Garnier come in. This is a 10 minute video. It sits visible in the right. scene for a long time and it didn't disrupt the meditation at all. And rediscover the power. You, you had the Pro Mac, the new phone for a while. So if you look at this one, uh, there's a Virgin Galactic rocket rotating on the side. Obviously you couldn't ship that rocket into this person's scene. So that's one thing. The other thing that we okay. innovated here is we draw animations which actually capture consumer attention. So look at the comments. Right. Yeah. But I, it's a... <laughs> Since when do you get these positive comments on ads? It's very, you know, it's very encouraging because our thesis is if you if you do something pleasing to the consumer or at least not disruptive, um, it's much better for the creator because they get higher engagement and you don't lose audience and it's definitely better for the brand grand on the tub yeah so with install i mean we're in the 15 to 20 grand again they, they prefer this to the three rolls concession stick i'm gonna stop yeah i, I didn't, didn't want to like kill you with demos i just wanted to give you a sense of you know this is what we do and so yes that is yeah. it's much less disruptive um and it's similar to me you know again I, i'm gonna use all uh, i i I sound like I watch way more sports than I actually do because I don't have that much time in my life. But um, but I've noticed in, you know, recently, you know, like when you watch a baseball game and there's just, you know, a logo sort of superimposed on the pitching mound and in, in, in a similar way where you know, it's not a 3D product, but it's it's a similar concept of, hey, I might not watch the commercials, but whoever's paying for that logo to be superimposed on the on the pitching mound is getting their advertising dollars in because I can't not see it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, you know, we're starting to experiment with different ways to talk, talk about this because it's not only product placement, it's like in real life advertising, intrinsic advertising. It's trying to really start a movement that basically says the old equation of interruption, you know, I'm not saying it's going to disappear, but we need a better way. Well, and to your, so like, like you said, if I wanted to, you know, if I'm Garnier and I, I, I want to do a product placement, you know, I'd have to have that conversation, you know, months, years, and, you know, at least months in advance, ship product, figure out, okay, well, how is this going to be in the, in the shot? And then, you know, have the shot, you know, have, have the ad filmed and produced before it ever hits the, the screen. From what I'm understanding you're saying from, a, I, you know, I'm basically using um, Rembrandt like a Google ad sort of thing, but able to like, basically buy ad space in like existing video content to say, well, hey, just insert my thing over here um, in a way that's subtle. I mean, you're not putting it like on the speaker's face. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, that, right. yeah, yeah. well, we, we balance creators and brands. So creators get to approve what happens just like brands do. So you don't have this situation where, you know, um, uh, you're just jamming brands down the creators' throats. The creators get get to a say. They get to prove everything. As a matter of fact, there's we we don't put any legal language that says once we did it, you have to you you have to ship it. We give them total discretion. You don't like what we did? Don't don't put up there. It's your organic channel. We want you to make content that your audience loves. We don't want to interrupt it. We're just going to hand you some money. It's found money for you. We've got creators who've been coming back every single week on any episode they do. They just load it up to us. It's just found money for them so what is that process like so like so so you know like you know i've got google ads on uh, on my site they don't make me any money but they're there 
<laughs> but um, the you know, but I don't, I don't, I don't have any anything, in, you know, any say in it really, other than you know, I, I put a box on the side and I say, hey, this is where the Google Ads can go, and then they just show up. Um, yep. From what from what I'm understanding, you explained just now, it's more like I create this video that you and I are doing, send it to you, and say, hey, you know, go ahead and throw some Garnier stuff in there somewhere. Yeah, it's more like you know, you create the video when you're done, you send it to us, and then. We might put Garnier, we might put another brand, we might put several, you get you get a say in what you want. And if you like it, you just upload it to your organic channel and then we get your views after the first 60 days, we pay you for a CPM times how many views you garnered. Okay. And the majority of the revenue goes to our creators. How does it work, like in terms of, I'm not gonna ask you to give me like, exact dollar figures but just relatively speaking if i'm the, if, if i'm the brand um how does it compare to you know producing my own television commercial or you know uh, you know or or, or old-fashioned product placement oh it's definitely way more cost effective you get you get a lot more viewership uh and you're also targeting influencers that are culturally relevant to like your gen z audience that is hard to find and uh some percentage of our audience sometimes 10 to 15 percent of the views occur for people who literally have ads turned off because they've paid youtube for the premium option right and so um you're reaching a generation that that watches us ads some of them who have it turned off uh and at a cost model the cpm models are way more attractive than doing a sponsored post because a sponsored post you know, they're going to interrupt their show uh, and then read something for about a minute. They have to go in and do the video. They have to like get it approved by you. It's like weeks of back and forth. It's a lot of work. So you have to pay them more for that. And there's a certain value for that. The problem is if you do that in every video, your audience starts dropping off because they hate those like one to right. two minutes. And so people will generally do it every third or fourth video. So what we say is like, you know, everywhere else, just put us, there's no interruption. You don't have to do that work. You don't get as much money as a sponsored post, but you get more money than, you know, the passive income you get from, um, from advertising. So it's somewhere in between and the effort is right. more like more passive. Okay. Yeah. It, I don't know why that reminded me, but the, the other, the, the other thing that my, my my son and I talk about all the time. Whenever we are in the car and happen to be listening to the radio, which is rare because I don't like either the repetition of the songs, because it seems like no matter what radio station you listen to, they really only have 10 songs that they play on repeat. Um, but but the DJs, you know, especially the morning DJs, just drive us crazy. And you know, you, you and, and they always have like the the ads where they they get the DJ to do the, you know, they get the radio personality to do the ad. And we were talking one day, I said, you know, based on these ads, I would expect these radio personalities to be perfect human beings. Like if all the things worked as advertised, I mean, they're because they're 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 hawking, you know, laser hair removal, liposuction, juice cleanse, you know, fitness, this, you know, like and if, if all of those if they actually are doing all of those things and all of those things actually worked, they should be actually perfect people um and you know but but ultimately i'm again i come back to you know that, that, that sort of like I, I don't see how that's even a compelling thing like i don't know i don't know who 
who you're, is you're, so who is so enamored with a radio personality that just because that radio personality said, hey, I used this juice cleanse and it was great that I'm mean, like, all right, cool. Let me go try the juice cleanse. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem, you know, I'm a skeptic on interruptive ads and what you're talking about is interruptive ads. But I have to say that some of it works. I mean, you're channeling your John Wanamaker, you know, who would say half my advertising works. I just don't know which half. So <laughs> some of it works. Like if you look at, um, you know, Athletic Greens and Organifi who do those kind of juice products, they've built significant businesses. And what they've found is those form of like sponsored ad reads drives attention to people who otherwise wouldn't know about them. And so even if it's every... 20th customer who ends up buying it and then buying a subscription, uh, it ends up justifying the cost, but it ends up annoying us. And the whole experience gets us eventually to stop listening to a medium with interruptive ads and instead pay a subscription to something that doesn't have ads. Right. And that's the problem is you're killing the golden goose as you go. And, and this is True. a way of creating a more sustainable model where commerce and content content come together and people can still get free content, but not in an annoying way. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, even, even with the interruptive ads, I almost, sometimes I almost long for the old model of interruptive ads because now when I watch say Hulu, you know, with ads, cause I'm not paying for the, you know, the ad free version or whatever, it seems like they're, the, the the diversity of ads is much smaller. Like they've only got like three. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and, and you know, and so it's like every commercial break, you see the same three commercials. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the problem. High frequency on ads just kills you. It's like, come on, you're killing me. Right. It's like you know, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing to have an ad break, in in in, in the content you're viewing. It's another thing to just every single ad break be the exact same commercials over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, it's actually worse. Um, we definitely avoid that. Um, you know, one of the things that I think this this lends itself to as well, and that we, you know, we, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, was just generationally. You know, like you know, so yes, me, you know, my myself, my friends, my coworkers, you know, yes, we're likely to watch Netflix and Amazon Prime and 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 such, you know, Apple TV Plus, whatever, to avoid commercials. My kids you know, watch those things as well, but they're also getting a vast majority of their content is coming from TikTok, um, you know, and, 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 and those types of videos, you know, it, you know, once upon a time it was, you know, you know, Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, but, you know, TikTok is the thing. And if that's where they're getting their content, then you have to figure out how to advertise in a way that's going to get in front of that audience. Yes. Uh, that's absolutely right. And there's been like the, the the old way that people would attack TikTok and YouTube and Instagram is they basically pay a creator to go create content for the brand and um, they pay them a big amount of money and hope they get a bunch of views. And, you know, today in TikTok, if you do an ad, a bunch of them won't work. Some of them are going to work really well and then they burn out. The algorithm burns them out in about seven days. So you have to keep pouring money into getting some influencers to do what you want. Our approach says, flip the model. Ask the creator to create content their audience loves. Don't worry about the brand. Just please your audience and be authentic. And what we'll do is we'll integrate into the storyline in the right way. And that way you enter the consciousness of the consumer through the influencer they love without being annoying. Um, 
And I'm not saying the other way isn't going to continue. Brands will continue to pay some famous personalities to go do special stuff for them. We're not going to stop that. We're just making a more automated, less annoying vehicle to reach these Gen Z people who are not reachable uh, in the old way. Okay. Um, you talked about Rembrandt being a, a you know, sort of a mashup of, of the former two companies. Um, from the AI component, is you know there there's an AI element of embedding the 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 product into the video. Is there, and I don't want you to give you don't have to give away any secret sauce, but is there a process you have or an AI algorithm you have that helps you choose where on the oh, video? Dude. Like what at like at what point in the video does it make sense to place this ad? Where on this in the screen should this ad be in order to get the best attention? It's a really good question. If you don't mind, let me answer two questions here. Let's just describe what is this generative fusion technology doing? And then let's talk specifically about the where. So generative techniques, you know, other than ours, tended to take text and turn it into an image. And there they were trying to be creative. They wanted to put the astronaut on a horse on the moon as a scene because that's what you put in your text. Our mission is very different. We're fusing two different 2D models. A video is a 2D asset, even though your brain recognizes it as three dimensions. And the products that we get from our brands are 2D assets. We fuse them in three dimensions. And we do in a way where we have to avoid all hallucination, right? We didn't want the problems that you get with you know, the standard generative techniques. We had to literally train the laws of physics into the networks. So that when a video comes in, the first thing we do is like, okay, where's the camera? How's it moving and pointing? What are the different logical scenes? And if you see, you know, a lot of these podcasts, they'll switch back and forth 300 times in the course of a, you know, a podcast. And so we have to continually recognize what scene we're in, what the depth is, has the zoom changed, has the lighting changed? What is? I was going to ask. I was going to ask about the lighting, like because that, that's one of those things that you 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 subconsciously pick up on. It, it you know like even if you don't you you see the Garnier bottles sitting there and you don't you don't consciously say hey those look fake or whatever, but something in your brain says wait a minute, but the lighting the, the shadow is casting in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, no, we work with the latest research and actually even have some collaboration with the university on, you know, estimating 3D lighting models. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting problem. And then you have to like look at the depth of the surfaces and you have to estimate the material reflectivity. So if you look at there are some glasses behind you, your globe has a slight reflectivity to it. The, the you know, the fridge has a different reflectivity than the books. You have to estimate all of that. And then here is the hardest problem of all of them. See, this is like a pen. And when I put my hand in front of it, the pen disappears um, because this is a real 3D world. But in a 2D right. world where you're modeling 3D, you have to capture all the motion interactions with fingers, with hair, with moving objects. And so literally we had to train our networks to understand uh, and encode those concepts in it so that when we get a video, we can figure out how to fuse the objects and make it look like it was filmed in the original. That's what we're doing. So that's why we call it generative fusion, because it's fusing objects. Now, if you go back to your question, though, where we place and how long, we basically have an analysis phase where we take a video and we try to ask ourselves the following question. How can I get the product in view early enough in the video? So as early as possible, maybe within the, the first minute, if possible. 
but keep it in a logical scene that when the camera keeps coming back to the scene, it stays long enough, like maybe 20% of the video or so. And in a place in the scene where if your hands are moving or your head is moving, you're not constantly covering the object, right? So when you're right. seeing right there, your white space on that fridge is very nice. Or if you gave us permission, we can overlay a poster in one of your frames, right? Those would be right. the two pieces we would select in your scene. Some of our creators see how we work and they purposely clear space on the fridge and say, yeah, I, I wanna make more money, please, you know, here, here you go. And in other cases, we've created virtual furniture. Like we've had walls where there was nowhere to put a 3D object. So we created a virtual shelf and then put the virtual product on the virtual shelf. So, you know, we, we do do things and, like that. And and even the, the so the, the way you described the, you know, training the physics of it all, it reminded me of, you know, conversations I've had in years past with animators of, of like, uh, you know, I talked with like the, you know, the Disney team behind, um, like Big Hero 6 and stuff. And it's like the engines they use to understand the lighting and, you know, for, from an animation animation perspective is, is a, you know, a very similar concept and understanding how does fabric flow and how does hair flow, you know, depending on, you know, wh where the wind is and, and all that kind of stuff. And how would an object fall if you dropped it, you know? So having, having an AI that can understand and interpret all of those, all of those physics so that it provides a level of realism is important. We are definitely standing on the shoulders of giants. People who came before us who solved problems like hair movement in Disney animation movies. You know, we have people from NVIDIA uh, in our team. We have people from Amazon, from Facebook. So it's, um, yeah, there's been a lot in the gaming world, in the animation world. A lot of the companies that came before us would use AI to figure out, hey, here's a movie with three minutes of kitchen time, you know, put a product there. But then they'd hire VFX people and those people would have to manipulate frame by frame and it would take them like four weeks and $30,000 to do a video. When we came up with our idea of saying the AI is going to do it and it's going to be done completely computational, no VFX, that made us realize that instead of competing in the movie industry where people will tolerate something slow moving, we competed in influencers where you couldn't tolerate three weeks to do something. It's too expensive. It's too slow. That's where we knew we had our advantage, and that's where we focused. Initially, we'll, we will start tackling movie and TV too, but then we'll have the data advantage of way, way more videos processed in the influencer domain. Okay, so from a from like a sales perspective for Rembrandt, are you pursuing both sides of that equation? Like you're going out and making, you know, you're you're finding brands that are willing to advertise this way, but then you also have to go have relationships with the content creators and the influencers. On Absolutely. the other side, or, or do brands come to you and say, "Hey, I really just want to be in, uh, you know, I want to be on Mr. Beast's video. How, you know, can you can you arrange that?" We definitely get inbound demand. Advertisers coming to us and telling us what they want, and we're we're lucky to have that. You wake up one morning, you see some like really well placed person from some large company coming in and say, "I want to meet." And I'm like, "Heck yeah, love it." Uh, I've built a two-sided network before, and there are a certain skill it takes to build a two-sided network because you never want to be imbalanced in your network. We have all these brands, and then you have no content, or you have all this content, and you have no brands. And, um, you know, like the Oracle Data Cloud, which was this two-sided network, eventually became a $500 million a year business with 97 of the top 100 digital brands using our data. And some of the biggest data sources on the planet were, you know, uh, powering our, our marketplace. But I'll tell you, you know, year one, it was 
nowhere near that. You know, I remember celebrating when we had our first campaign. I remember like doing backflips when we first hit $30,000. I remember our first million dollar campaign, right? So it's the same thing here. You, you focus the network and say, I'm going to take a very specific type of content first, and I'm going to find a very specific type of brand that likes us, and I'm going to get higher density on both sides before I open it up to the next. And you start, you know, incrementally expanding and expanding. And, you know, that's where we're at. We now have, you know, a bunch of, you know, the top, you know, world-class, some of the biggest beauty brands, some of the biggest, you know, uh, beverage brands, uh, the biggest e-commerce player. Um, you know, the examples I showed you in the video were real, you know, paying campaigns. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely seems like an interesting, interesting model. And, and, you know, like I said, as someone who's jaded about advertising in the first place and doesn't like interruptive ads, it, it seems much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's just a much smoother, uh, interaction. Um, you know, it, it, that I, you know, watching, watching the clips that you showed me, like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch that and be immediately annoyed about exactly. the product. Whereas, and 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 I guess this is this is not entirely removed from from what you're what you're doing, but because of what I do, and and I, and I've actually reviewed almost every Microsoft Surface device that's ever been created. I'm always well aware when you know Microsoft has these product placements on like TV series. You know, you'll you'll see that everyone has a Surface. Um, when you watch you know football games, they have a, they have a deal with the NFL and they use the Surface. And so like the Microsoft branding is like always there in your face. Um, sometimes it's more subtle than others, but, uh, you know, for me, I, I, and, and maybe I'm more hyper aware because of, because of what I do or whatever, maybe, maybe it is subtle to some people that when maybe they don't actually notice that it's a, a Microsoft surface that someone's using on a television show, but like, it, it's always the first thing I see is like, oh, they've got a surface. Then, you know, Microsoft must've paid for that. Yeah. The brain is unbelievably powerful on how much signal it's picking up from everything. The fact that you're watching a, a show trying to listen to the storyline of the show, but your brain still decided to say, hmm, Microsoft Surface seems to be showing up more in the in this show than it does in the wild. Why is that? And I, I'm always intrigued by how, how the brain picks up things like that. So like, let's say you're driving down the highway. Do you ever notice um, a license plate that it's clear that somebody like bought the words in it? It, you know, it says, yeah. you know, great or something or some, you know, for mom or something like that. Yep. What does that mean? It means that your brain actually saw a hundred other license places and, and saw no pattern that was interesting and ignored it and didn't bubble it up to your consciousness. But only when it saw the, the word that made sense, your brain calculated the, the probability and said, that is not a coincidence. That driver is telling me something, right? Um, so it's amazing how yeah. the brain does that filtration. Yeah, no, I've never really thought of that, but you're right. I mean, like, you know, the, the you know, on some level, my brain is seeing when a license plate goes by me that's just, you know, FKL one, two, three. But I don't process it. I don't I don't cool. consciously I'm, I'm not making any mental note of it or whatever. But when it drives by and it says, you know, GR eight DAY, I'm like, oh, look, it says great day on that license plate. That's exactly the principle we're using in our advertising, which is to say we don't just want to place a product in the background because we don't know if they're gonna see it and ignore it or see it and mean something. That's why we lean into subtle animations that make you say, whoa, that's interesting. And, and if we can do that 
at a point in the in the video that might even have some positive emotion to it, we can create an emotional connection to you. That's the art and science we're really growing towards. And you know, I can't tell you it's like a day one journey. This is like a creative palette that's going to change the way advertising is done. And if you've ever heard this guy uh, Terry Kowaja, he's one of the most you know well-known bankers in the ad ecosystem. He was speaking at the Four A's big advertising conference with all the biggest advertisers, and he said. For 20 years, we've been spending billions of dollars building ad, ad technologies that optimize how we target ads, how we serve ads, how efficient it is, each wave giving you like 10% improvements. And where the real way of driving effectiveness in advertising has never been touched by technology, and that's the creative itself, how you make the creative appealing to the human mind. And Generative AI, for the first time, has allowed us to enter the world of creativity in a way that's scalable and technologically accessible. That's why we're excited about what we're doing, because it's now going to help us do not little 10% improvements here and there, but up to 10x improvements right. and breakthrough to the human conscious. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. Um, yeah, it seems like a, you know, I, I would agree with that. You know, one of the, I, I have noticed some other things that, that, the ad industry has been doing lately. Um, one is, well, both of them are versions of interactive ads. So you're you're watching, you know, YouTube TV or you're watching Hulu or whatever, and they go to their interruptive break. But instead of just showing you a commercial, it'll be like, you know, Geico, and they'll be like, there's commercial A, B, C. Pick which pick which scenario you want to watch, you know, and it gives you like a little synopsis of. You know, do you want to watch the one about uh, the guy that crashed into the pool? Do you want to watch the one about the guy at the baseball game? And so you get to pick which commercial you want to see. That's one version. The other version is, and and I'm not sure which platforms this is on, but like, there's a, first of all, there's a lot more QR code stuff. Like, I'm going to show you this ad. I'm also going to give you the QR code so that you can go look at more stuff. But increasingly, there's like a connection between you know, watching this on a, you know, on the television that's internet enabled and it knowing about your, your phone. And like, as soon as the ad comes up, there's a thing that says basically, Hey, do you want to, you want to get more information on your phone? And like, with like one click, you could pull up the stuff on your phone to get, you know, to, to get more information on that. So, I mean, they are, they are trying, they're, they're trying to find ways to be like, you know, how do we, how do we engage you? How do we get you to interact with this ad? How do we, you know, hopefully get you to pay attention by letting you choose which ad you even want to watch. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a great that 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 is a positive trend, and we we are experimenting with QR codes also. Okay. Um, all right. Well, you know, again, I, I, I all of this it sounds very cool. Um, you know, it's like what, where are your ads showing up now? Like, you know, like. You, you know what you showed and the clips or whatever like would i see those on you know during tv shows or am i seeing those on youtube am i seeing them on tiktok today the majority of it's on youtube we just started last month with tiktok so really excited about that we'll be doing some more uh there eventually we'll do any video format because our technology doesn't even know that it's going to tiktok or youtube our technology just takes a video and returns a video the reason we started with youtube is generally it's a wider screen format You've got a lot of shows where there's table space and wall space, whereas TikTok tended to be a little bit closer to the face with a little bit less real estate around it. So um, 
that that's why we started YouTube. But like I said, yeah. last month expanded to TikTok, and we are going to roll through every format. We are going to start doing movies and TV. I was going to say, you, like you know, TV shows could also come and say, look, instead of us doing this whole product placement thing, you know, like let's just generatively, you know, insert some stuff, and you could also repurpose old content. You know, like you know, like, well, you know, I watch like reruns of The Office and reruns of you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, Parks and Rec. Um, and, you know, where you could weave that in. Yeah, we're definitely having those conversations. Really excited about it. Uh, TV, uh, expanding in TV and movies is going to be going to be huge. Like I said, our, we want to transform that industry instead of like two to three years in advance or instead of hiring a team of 30 VFX people, uh, we're going to do this with AI and make it a lot, lot lower friction. And maybe allow you to target, show Liquid Death in, in LA and show Pepsi in New York and Perrier in Paris. And... You know, I'm thinking out loud here. If I'm doing product placement in a TV show, um, doing it this way also gives me an opportunity to A-B test. It gives me an opportunity to, you know, be doing it one way and saying, hey, you know what, that's not really working. What if we move the product over here? Whereas if I actually do product placement, it's hard-coded into the video. That's harder, to, that's harder for me to change. Yeah, yeah, totally. Having N variants of place and brand allows you to, to measure things totally with you. Really, ex really exciting world of opportunities here. All right. Well, very cool. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go look for some of the ads now. Awesome. I, I, you know, we could just follow up and point you to a few. Yeah, that'd be great. Actually, I, I would like for you to do that so that I can include it with this podcast. I'll include links and, and say, oh, Hey, if you want to go, you know, go look, see for yourself. Awesome. We'll do so. All right. Well, uh, Take care. Hope you feel better. Thank you. And uh, so what's your thought on like, um, what's your target on um, releasing the, the show? Um, it'll be not next week, but the week after, because I already cool. have one lined up for next week. I'm looking forward to it. I enjoyed the conversation with you. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. And I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in touch and send a link and stuff when it's live. Awesome. Have a good one. All right. Take care. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts. 